Welcome to Light on the Road Home, a show about divine love, divine wisdom, and our soul's journey here on Earth. And now, our hosts, Phyllis Levitt and Deborah Brown. Well, isn't this the most exciting thing in the world? I am just so happy. I'm Deborah Brown, and this is our first episode. And Phyllis, are you as happy as I am to be here? I am. I'm so grateful. <laughs> and yes, and we are going to explore some very beautiful topics. We have no idea where we're going to end up, but that's kind of like the soul's journey on earth in a way. If you think about it, you don't know exactly where you're supposed to go until you until you're actually on the path. Would that be a fair statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's um what we're going to talk about first is what I like to call your two-minute movie. Because right now you are the star of the show. And I want you to tell us in two minutes as much about your life as you would like. And the reason I call it a two-minute movie is I'm not really going to put a time clock on it, but uh, I know you could go a lot longer than two minutes. Everyone can. But just give us your life story in two minutes, whatever you'd like to tell us, going back as far as you'd like, whatever details you want. Okay. Well, I am a mother and a grandmother, and by profession, I have been a psychotherapist. I live in Santa Fe and Taos with my husband, and I've had a private practice in Santa Fe for over 25 years. But really, my main love has always been writing, and I started writing when I was really young, and... I think I came to realize not long into it that writing was actually my spiritual path, that it was my most um, available way to connect deeply inside myself and to connect to something larger than myself. However, um, though I was looking for God in writing, and that's what I came to realize um, those experiences of actually having that connection were very few and very far between. And for the most part, it seemed like a kind of darkness and mystery pervaded my life that I was unable to escape and unable to heal. And that's actually what brought me into the world of psychotherapy and psychology. Um, and then in the mid-90s, when I was really in a deep dive into what all this darkness was about in myself, I had a very dramatic experience of a divine presence. Actually, I would say it was a visitation where a very divinely loving presence filled my entire body and spoke to me and told me to surrender. And not long after that, that presence returned and began to write to me in my journal. And so I had been writing, looking for God, and then it seemed like God came looking for me and wrote back to me and began to tell me what all of our souls, not just mine, are doing here in this journey on earth in our human form. And that's what I have begun to write my books about. My first book is called the Road Home, A Light in the Darkness, and I published it last year. And my second book, which is called Into the Fire, is almost complete, and it will come out later this year. And Deborah is my amazing editor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yes, and I do know the work 
because of the fact that I am so in it with you with the editing of the work. And it's beautiful, and I can't wait for people to see the second book. And, of course, the first book they can already uh, get. And there's a link, actually, to it on the uh, on the page where the player is um, for where our show is being broadcast. So there is a link for people to actually be able to go and, and pick up the first book if they want to. So this started, started then as a, what I call a communication with the divine. And you yes. were journaling. In other words, it was almost like spirit was journaling and you were journaling. Is that a, is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. I mean, I, being a writer and going through this kind of very dark inner, internal search, um, I kept a journal of everything that I was working on and working through. And um, so it was while I was actually writing in my journal that this divine voice began to speak to me about the specifics of what my soul and all our souls are doing here. But I had actually had um, the most dramatic experience a couple of months before that writing began. I don't know if you would like me to describe that, but I'd be happy to. Sure, yes. Of course. So I was really like at my lowest point. I had unending panic and anxiety attacks, and I just couldn't seem to get better. And even though I believed in the psychological process um, and saw it work for so many people, it didn't seem to be working for me. And uh, one day, really just one day, when I was in the midst of terrible feelings, Suddenly, and I mean suddenly, like in an instant, I had a golden light start pulsating very strongly in my forehead. And that quickly turned into the most profound feeling of divine love filling my body. And I felt it as waves of love rippling physically through me and around me. And golden light just filled my entire body and I had never felt a love like that, never known a love like that, never even imagined a love like that and I heard these words inside me very, very clearly and they said it said, surrender surrender everything and I described this experience very completely in my book um and then that seemed like a blip on the screen because I went right back into the darkness that I had been in. And it was a couple of months later when I was writing in my journal at a very similar low point that all of a sudden I noticed that something was writing to me. Um, and I had that same feeling of exquisite divine love and warmth to just fill my entire body and my being And what I discovered not long after that was that all I had to do was ask a question about what was going on in my life or where I was stuck or anything. And this divine presence would come and answer me as I wrote in my journal. And over the next several years, I wrote volumes about what our soul is doing here in our human form. Um, And especially in the difficulties Um, that the difficulties are not a sign of failure or weakness or um, not being loved by God. They're actually what our soul came here to take on and transform. And so that's how the journey began. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. (laughs) 
<laughs> so when you were asking a question, were you asking a question that was intended for a divine answer or were you just asking a general question like why am I miserable or why, you know, why am I hating life? Or were you actually asking a specific question that, that the divine could answer in a way that would help you on your, on your journey? I'm not sure that there is a difference, actually. I think once I realized that all I had to do was ask a question about what was going on for me in that moment, I knew that there would be a divine answer. And so I I did my very best to keep opening up to the to hear that. And even though it sounds like it might have been easy to do that, um, because that presence was always there to answer me. It wasn't easy to do, actually. Um, there were times when it was very frightening or I felt like I, they wouldn't be there and I would be abandoned. So, but really it was, well, it was asking questions out of whatever was going on for me in the moment that was most difficult mm-hmm. and looking well, for think, a divine answer. Is that what you meant? Right, yes. Yeah. And I think what I'm, what I'm thinking is I've been a... A Christian since I was 10, as an example, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a backsliding Baptist, <laughs> to be specific, yeah. uh, which means I don't go to church on a regular basis at all. As a matter of fact, I, haven't, I don't remember the last time I was at a Baptist church even. Um, but I feel very spiritual and I feel very connected, but I don't ever question. I pray, but I don't ask questions. And I don't know if I'm afraid maybe that I won't be answered, or am I afraid, and I'm kind of being pretty open here, I, I, I may be afraid of that whole surrender aspect. In other words, mm. I like more control over things, and I know that's the opposite of what works with God. So mm. is it, I mean, is that a common, do you think that's a common thing? Or, in other words, to avoid asking the questions because you might not like the answers? <laughs> I think that's my thing. I don't think I was afraid that I wouldn't like the answers um, because really early on in my experience, the answers were so profound and they began to shed a light into such unknown places for me. You know, they, they really explained in detail. It wasn't just kind of like love everything or you're a divine being. The messages were really specific about what my soul had taken on in this journey of Phyllis Levitt and what all our souls had taken on by coming into human form. And so I wanted to know more. And I think that's what kept me going. Besides, I think there were two things. I think one was just the pain that I lived in, which was a great motivator. Um, And the other was that the answers that I received were so fascinating and so new and so filled with light and love that they called me to them, if that makes sense. It does. Well, I know that, you know, based on the, the chapters of the book, just using the chapter titles of the second book in particular, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the things that you were told are so and I'm going to use the word illuminating, which is perfect because it is about the light on the path and the light in our lives and the light in our hearts and all of that, um, about humanity, humanity's struggle, um, how we're supposed to be with each other in the best of all worlds, 
you know, things like duality. I mean, it's just so many subjects that, you, like you said, you filled journal after journal after journal, um, just writing like crazy. And, right. and it's, it, it's still coming forth. Yes. Yeah. So why are you writing the books? Who is who is this writing for? Is it for completion on your part or is it for us? And I'm gonna posit that it's for us. <laughs> just, yeah, just and I, I would say yeah, I would say two things. I mean or I would say more than two things. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um the first thing that I, I wanna say is that the experience of this presence and the and the information that was given to me is so divinely wise and loving all in the same breath um, that I just want to call it profound divine love. And I really believe that it's the nature of love that it wants to share itself. And I my experience of this divine presence was that it wanted to share itself with me. And it has filled me in more ways than I could ever describe. And I think that experience is passed on, that the love that I've been given also wants to share itself. And so um, I would say, and I call it my soul, I would say that my soul's greatest desire is to share the highest love that it's capable of sharing, just like this presence shared with me. Um, and so I think that that has been my journey, that to hear this call of my own soul, which is a part of God, and to share that with other people, partly because I think in the here's where I'd say there's probably two main reasons. One is because I think that, or I feel, I guess I would say, that the calling of my soul is unstoppable. And and I think I think all of our souls are called to something. This happens to be what mine is called to, but I think every soul is called to some unique form of an expression of divine love. And I don't know if we always hear it, but for some reason mine made its voice really loud. And so that just seems to be my journey on earth is to do what I'm doing. And And I have to say that it, it has been incredibly fulfilling and inspiring and terrifying. Um, I think it has not been an easy thing for me to actually come out and say, a divine voice spoke to me and this is what it said. I don't think that's the picture I ever had of myself or where I was going, as you said in the beginning. So right. it's put me through an unbelievable challenge in itself. But the other the other half is what you alluded to, and that is that I feel very deeply that our whole world is crying for love, and I believe it's crying for divine love, um, and that the lack of love on a global scale really feels to me at this point in human history like it's leading us to the brink of extinction. And... So I feel a tremendous call to share everything that I have that I think could contribute to a shift in our consciousness and a shift in our awareness of 
of who we can be for each other that is that is not what is happening in a lot of places on earth today. Um, well, and I actually think that's why this divine voice spoke to me because I think I it wanted me to share. I think that is absolutely right. And I want to, I want to back wrap back around to what I've said about my not going to church. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually have to amend that a little bit because my mother taught me, my late mother taught me decades ago when I was a, a 19 year old, 20 year old, uh, woman that there are other ways to go to church and that being a kind hearted, loving person who really does put others, um, not ahead of yourself all the time, but to really keep the other person um, in mind when you're doing something. And there were episodes in that time of my life where I had a sister-in-law at the time who was very heavy. She she just couldn't seem to lose the um, the weight of um, pregnancy she had had, and she was just miserable. And I was the opposite of that at that time. I was very... Um, thin and you know we were going to a picnic at the same place and I told my mother what I was going to wear and she said Claudia is not going to be happy with herself and she's really not going to be happy if she's looking at you in that dress so why don't you wear something else and that'll be your going to church for the day Mm. and and I never forgot that because it was, and it was something, that, and i tell you what I did. I wore a yellow, I'll never forget as long as I live, a yellow, flowy shift. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know why that got me. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was very flowy. There was not a curve to be found on my body. Couldn't see a thing. And I had a great time at the picnic, and I always remembered what my mother said, and it it just really made so much sense to me going forward. So, yeah, yeah, I love I say that I don't story. go to church. I go to church all the time. It's just not in the physical building. So, um, well, I wasn't expecting that to <laughs> grab me like that. So, anyway, um, so you know that's that's my contribution to the idea of how we are with each other, right? So, um. I think we all have to be more aware of that love and, and be willing to share and, and kind of go down a different path if, if it makes somebody else happy just for a minute. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, I think that's a really great example of how our own soul can just talk to us, you know, and, and in that instance, maybe it talked to you through your mother, but you heard it. And yes, um, and I love that story because I think that we all hear that voice in our own way and in our own time and in our own circumstances. And and that's why, you know, my experience of finding this God within myself, I feel is part of the blueprint of what we're looking for, which is not some external authority, but the voice inside us speaking to us in in its own unique way. And we, I really believe that we each have our own contribution as a soul to make and that everybody's contribution is important. Mm-hmm. I, I could not agree with you more. And I'm so worried. Um, you know, well, I shouldn't, I, I don't know if I should totally be worried because God has 
his hands in all of this. But I would like to know how in the world did we get so much anger and hatred and vitriol and war and pestilence and all that stuff. What what have we wrought here as human beings, you know? What what mm-hmm. what is this about? Do you have any <laughs> have any words of wisdom on that? <laughs> well, you know, my I call it my writing. My writing has talked about that from so many angles. And so I could maybe pick out a few to at least introduce as ideas right now. Sure. And um so you know, I entitled my my the series of my books the Road Home series um, because the way that the information was shared with me is that we're all on a human race has taken on an epic journey from ego consciousness to return to soul consciousness or oneness with God, and that we we took on this ego consciousness deliberately. We were the way they say it is. We were asked to make this journey, and we agreed to make this journey kind of all in one breath. And so we took on this ego consciousness when our souls took human form. And one of the, one of the things that my writing goes into in depth is what are the laws governing ego consciousness? How does ego consciousness work? And um, one, of, one of the biggest laws of ego consciousness, which I think we're all familiar with in some way, although I don't think I gave it much thought before I did this writing, maybe I gave it no thought, um, was that we, ego lives in a state of duality. Something is always better and something is always worse. worse. Something's right, something's wrong. Something's good, something's bad. Something's more, something's less. And it's our ego nature to always want to be on the upper side of any duality. We will want to have more. We want to be right, be um, good and not bad, whatever that is. And so it sets up a struggle um, to that, that, that but, but because ego lives in duality, those two sides of any duality always exist. And gosh, my mind is racing here. So let me pull back a little bit. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say this one thing and this is this is um explained in detail at the end of my first book A Light in the Darkness. Um what my writing said to me was that the greatest challenge for the human race was the duality of male and female being split the male masculine energy and feminine energy being split into two different forms of energy and into two different bodies. And the reason why, in a nutshell, that is our greatest challenge is because masculine energy tends to manifest as assertion, action, and aggression, and feminine energy tends to manifest as receptivity, nurturance and connection and when they're split the ultimate manifestation of that split is domination and submission or suppression Mm. Mm. and that split has become so extreme in human nature today 
that it manifests as the extremes of domination and submission in all areas of human life. Does that make sense? As a, it as does. A piece? It does. And and so um, in the beginning, when when we were first created, maybe we weren't split, and then... Um, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't get my head around the whole Adam and Eve thing to see if that's even part of what our conversation should hold because there's so much. There's just so much to it. It's it's almost the container. <laughs> the Bible cannot be the container, the complete container for this conversation. Um, your writing cannot be a complete con, uh, container right. for this conversation, and it's it's just uh, it's it's almost overwhelming to me. Now maybe not to you, but. To me, it has a, a an overwhelming sense to it sometimes because um, trying to figure this all out. I mean, we can talk about how we're going to save the world by uh-huh. by figuring this out. By and I love in your writing you talk about um, lighting the path of another. In other words, I light mm-hmm. your path and and you light my path. And I mm-hmm. think that's what I'm getting at is that the path to destruction needs the light of you and me and so many others and anyone hearing this conversation today to, to know what to do, you know, or, or, or do we just be, you know, let me ask you that. Am I, am I making this harder than it is? Well, I can, I can, I guess I can share from the viewpoint of what was shared with me. And that is that, um, well, gosh, my mind starts to spin with so many concepts at once, but I know <laughs> that was um, my fault. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, but I think going back to the nature of ego consciousness, part of the nature of ego consciousness is to experience itself as separate. You know, I think we we pretty much all agree on that, or at least that's the conversations that I've been in, and. Um, and it's that separation, that sense of separation and focus on the small self, if you want to call it that, that I think is one of the big contributors to where we are in the world today, um, rather than a sense of we're all in this together. One of the most beautiful things that was shared with me in my writing was this concept that return to God and return to our soul nature is not a solo journey that it's something that we do together. And my light is intended to shine for you and for everyone, and your light is intended to shine for me and everyone, not just for myself. It's not like Mm -hmm. I find my path to God and God takes me home and I'm done with this earth. (laughs) That's not the picture I got. The picture I got is that as I allow soul to take over my being, it will, by its very nature, want to shine its light in the greatest possible way for other people and help light theirs. And your soul will want to do the same thing. Does that kind of address what you were saying? Yes. And and it brings up something that I started to ask you a moment ago, and that is, just for my edification, a little bit of the definition. So there's the human body, there's Phyllis, and Deborah in human form, and then there's our soul. Now we have soul on Earth. In other words, I I, I get confused a little bit sometimes thinking about 
what I thought it was and now what I what I have been learning from you that okay, I have a I've had a soul all along, but I've maybe not been aware or called it soul. Okay. So why don't you tell me tell me about all the parts here? And I, and I think you know there's there's lots of parts and and we're all playing various parts. But let me just let you answer the question. Okay, so which question? <laughs> the one about soul and divine and um, human. You know, is it is it all the same? Are we all just one thing? Okay. It's actually love. I mean, I don't know. Well, the way that it was explained to me, and again, there are so many different ways that it was explained to me, so I'm going to pick one, um, is that there's, and I I don't actually think that in my human form, at least at the level of development that I am, that I can actually totally conceive of what I'm going to say. But what I was told was, you know, that there's there's the infinite, there's God. I just don't know if I can ever really conceive of the infinite, but I believe that there's the infinite and I have felt a piece of it, I would say, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a small piece, but there's God or there's oneness that contains everything. And then you might say it this way. This is the way it was explained to me that, that my human soul, the soul of Phyllis or the soul of Deborah or the soul of anyone is like a tiny piece of oneness that takes on a human form. In in the same way, it says that soul also embodies the earth, that the earth itself has a soul, that the human race has a soul, and we have our own individual little piece of soul, if you can conceive of it that way. Mm-hmm. And that soul that's me or you takes on an ego nature. It's like it's like a cloak that it puts on or, a, you know, a, a costume. And that's the personality of Phyllis or the personality of Deborah and the particulars of my path or your path and the experiences that I, my soul came to take on in this life as Phyllis or you as Deborah. And that we each with those costumes that our soul has put on. Those costumes like Phyllis Levitt is not really who I am. It's it's the part that my soul chose to play in this particular life. Does that make sense so far? It does. Now let me ask you before you go any further. Are you yeah. saying that my soul and your soul are little parts of the same soulness? Of, yes, of and big, that everyone's soul. Is. Right. Every and, single person's is. Okay, so that's why, frankly, we are really more responsible to each other in terms of loving one another just from that aspect alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. The responsibility is right there. That's That's, frankly, that's all a person needs to know why you need to be nice to each other, why you need to care mm-hmm. about the earth. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that, that way that you just put it. Because we're all, go ahead. We're, yeah, we're all part of the same fabric called soul. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm a button and you're the hemline. <laughs> yeah, I just made that up. <laughs> right. I was trying to put it, well, and that was back to the costume. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, see, it's just complicated. It, well, 
I know I'm, I'm making it complicated by saying it's complicated. It's not complicated. It's really, when you peel it all the way down to that, it's really not complicated. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's both. I think it's super simple and really, really complicated. And there's mm-hmm. and one of the things that I love about the writing that I received or the messages that I received is that it goes into so much detail about the specifics um, and then they kind of all coalesce in my brain, and that's why sometimes it's hard for me to pick one piece out and explain it. Right, right. So I love the idea, by the way, going back to the golden light pulsating mm-hmm. in your forehead and calling that love and, and being aware. Um, I've had experiences where there's this this pulsating I don't usually experience it as light I, I don't I think it's more pressure or you know mm-hmm. it's used, it's a different kind of sensation so um you know where you're really just you know that you know your cup runneth over type of feeling where it's like oh my goodness I I am I am not a big enough container to hold the kind of love I'm feeling right this second does that yeah. sound yeah. like what you're talking about yeah totally yeah. So, wow. How how awesome is that? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so so what do we do in terms of, um, you know, I'm lighting your path and you're lighting my path, and eventually we're all on the road home. Is that right? And and eventually we go back to God. Is that what they told you? Yes. And I say they. Is it they? Should yes. I say they or they? Okay. It's always they. It's always the voice that I hear is always we. We say this. We say that. And uh-huh. it's always been like that from the very beginning. And I refer to, because I haven't had this experience, I refer to um, God or the divine or spirit, and I think it's all the same because it's all part of soul. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so they. what did they tell you about, the road home and, and coming back to well, whatever you're coming back to. You know, really that is like, that is so multifaceted that it would be hard to put it into a nutshell. But mm-hmm. basically going back to something I said earlier, that they said that we took on this epic journey from ego consciousness or a sense of separation or consciousness of separation to a return to soul consciousness which is the, which is merging with the divine um, and so um, the road home and this is what's why I, it's so many books because there's so much involved in it is really um, outlines what ego consciousness is so that we know how to work with it. It would be sort of like opening up the human body for the first time and discovering the different organs and and that being the key to understanding how to heal the human body. And this was like opening up the structure of ego consciousness so that we could understand how to work with it and how it works with us if we don't work with it. Um, and there was, And they talked about what they called the laws of gravity, and those are the laws that govern ego consciousness, and they go into them in great detail. And one of those laws is the law of duality, and there are several others. Um, 
and then and just so but and and we can go into those perhaps more at other times that we talk where we can go into some of those things in detail for now i would say that that's a piece of it and then another piece of it is that i was taught how to work with chakra energies and that was a big piece of the work in transforming ego consciousness to soul consciousness and um, I was given a meditation which ended up having many elaborations, but it's called the Breath of the Cross meditation, or uh, and that's part of what they called the Path of Supreme Surrender. And so there were specific ways to work with how ego energy manifests through our chakras and how to bring the light of soul into our chakras and through our chakras because that's how it manifests in the world is through these centers of energy in ourselves. Um, so there, there's just so much information and that's why, like, again, why it's more than one book. Um, mm-hmm. so I probably left something out there, but <laughs> did that partially answer the question? Yes. And what it makes me realize is that future shows that we do um, will probably be, be more topical, of course, than, Right, one, which is kind of just an overview of, of right. what to look forward to, because you know, as well as I know your work, I'm still learning and trying to um, incorporate some of it even into my own thinking. So I, I don't understand some of the definitions sometimes. I, I I don't know the concepts that they explain to you the way you do, of course. Yeah, and. Yeah. You'll also be talking about the concept of past lives, which you mentioned a moment ago. But right. that was a big thing that um, that's part of that that dark and um, right. scary right. stuff that you went through in, in terms of your journey, right? Very much, very much so. And just to sort of throw in that, um, and that was a part of what another piece of what was revealed in terms of like this substructure. On, on which our lives are constructed is that we are each carrying a certain pattern of energies through lifetimes that we came to play out as egos and that we came to transform as souls. And that's a whole big part of um, of the writing and how it really helped me understand my own individual path. And I believe that the way they explain that can help anyone understand their own path. And all our paths are different. So some of the things that a person repeats, like bad marriages or <laughs> you know, yeah. picking, the same, picking the same kind of man over and over again, it's like, seriously, people, are you kidding me? Right. I got this guy again? <laughs> right. Maybe <laughs> I've been there, done that, right? So uh, not you, right. me. Uh, oh, yeah, me too. It's like, I can't believe I did this. Yeah, me too. I can't believe I did this like four times. Seriously? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then finally, it's, it's, oh, please, don't get me started. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and part of this, I love the concept of the, uh, what do you call it, the um, the sleep of forgetting that you yeah. talk about that they told you yeah. and that I don't remember exactly what it is and you'll explain it to us in another uh, conversation. But what I'm thinking is um, I forget from moment to moment sometimes the lesson, excuse me, the lesson I learned, and then I'm going to have to learn it again because I didn't get it, you know. Mhm. Mhm. So it's like I slept through that lesson or something. Uh, 
it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So um, we this is very exciting because there is a wealth of goodness coming forth. In other words, um, the topics, the concepts, all the, the whatever that that you've been told that's in your in your writing um, is very hopeful. I yeah. found that every time I was reading it that it was good. It was hopeful. And I don't mean good as in the opposite of bad. I mean good news. Yeah. You know, that um, if I light your path and you light my path and we just get that out there into the rest of, you know, our circle of friends and then their circle of friends and keep that growing um, as a concept, that's beautiful. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that make a big difference, just that piece right there? I actually believe at this point it's the only thing that's going to make a difference. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think I, I do we too. have to find the essence and the soul in each other in order to survive. I think it's gotten that extreme. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's take a breath on that. I tell you, that's... Um, well... If that's what my soul is here to do, if that's my 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 quest for this this time around, yeah. And I've never believed in past lives, and I've never believed in in reincarnation or anything like that. So I will speak this differently probably than you do until I don't, and if I never change, that's the way it is. But mm-hmm. the idea that you know there are lessons that I have definitely. Um, brought forward somehow and I think I think what I like the idea is that soul is moving through and maybe what I've just always been worried about is coming back as a cockroach or something <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why I've been avoiding that whole like I'm pretty sure I was not a cockroach before so I don't want to be one later <laughs> I don't um, either <laughs> so, so I have some resistance I think God is playing with me sometimes like Deborah, I told you you're not listening <laughs> Well, let me say this really quickly. One of the things that I love about my writing is that there has never been one moment or one message that ever contained any judgment in it. It's not like it's not like you have to just learn this lesson and if you don't learn it, you're going to have to come back and suffer and do it again. There's nothing like that in my writing. It's really uh-huh. that we live on a level of consciousness until we don't live there anymore. So, um, does that make sense? It does. It does. It absolutely does. And I think that's a good place to maybe wrap it up a little bit and just say, sure. Don't worry, people that are listening, um, if you have a, a feeling like, well, this is a lot to take in. It is, and it's great. (laughs) Trust Mm. me. Uh, It is great. And, and Phyllis, you are just such a beautiful, beautiful soul, and I just love the fact that you are sharing this with us and you're sharing your writing and that you're not afraid. And if you are afraid, you're doing it anyway. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, um, And we will all be blessed by it. And I think that's what we have to do. And, and I hope that my blessing is is my part in sharing with you so that so that you can 
maybe have an easier time of it, you know, just mm-hmm. based on what we do together. Isn't that, isn't that well, a nice it thing? Absolute, it absolutely is. You are equally a blessing in my life, and I'm so grateful for the light that you are sharing with me. Oh, thank you. I couldn't you. be more grateful. Oh, thank you. Well, I feel the same way. So I know our music is going to start here in a second because I I, um, I just cued my husband that now would be a good time, and he's probably listening okay. to start our music. <laughs> Our okay. Outro, but we will um, we will have another show. Um, we're going to do the second. I'm sorry. Is this the first and third? Second and fourth? No. First second and, and first third. and third. Yeah. yeah. First and third Mondays of the month. And um, I don't think my husband got my my cue there. Music. <laughs> uh, usually I'm usually I'm in front of the computer. Uh, I'm thinking I'm hearing it. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us for Light on the Road Home, a special production by Deborah Brown and Phyllis Leonard. This show has been a production of the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network. You can find more about the Boomer and the Babe at boomerandthebabe.com.